Content on this production is for entertainment and informational purposes only. It is not medical advice, nor is it intended to substitute medical treatment or diagnosis. Seek medical help if you believe that you are suffering from a mental illness or are a threat to yourself or others. By using any or all of the information provided, you do so at your own risk. Any application of the material is at the listener's discretion and is his or her sole responsibility. Hey everybody, Doc Bryan here. It always seems like we are looking for the next big thing. That we have this goal, this dream, this aspiration that we hope to accomplish one day. And while goals are important, we need to understand that we always need to have something that we're looking forward to. Because when we reach that one goal, where are we going from there? What is the end game? And if we don't have those goals of where we're going next, we're liable to give up. So make your goals, know where you're going, make a plan, and you can make it. Hey everybody, Doc Bryan here, and welcome to Doc Talks, where we talk about people's troubles, trials, tribulations, and hopefully triumphs in life. Now, if you've listened to our podcast for any amount of time, you know that we have had several actors and comedians and even musicians, and, and they really begin to talk about the unique mental health issues that occur just in those particular careers. Today, I have with me uh, Titus Macon, and you may say, that name sounds really familiar. Well, that's because it is really familiar. Titus uh, has has been on shows such as Grey's Anatomy, Glee, The Rookie. I mean, the, the list just goes on and on. But if you think he's a good actor, you should hear him sing because that's been his forte. So, uh, Titus, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. What a great intro. So you are in Los Angeles. Is there... Well, you were living in Los Angeles, but now you're in Arizona, I think. Is that right? Yep, that's exactly right. So what, if you were to say, what was your big moment that you were like, okay, I my dream is coming true, that moment, that realization, what was that like for you? Well, I, actually, I think I had two of them. Uh, and it's on uh, still like an upward trajectory to another one. If it, I'll make it all make sense. So the first one I had, I was working at P.F. Chang's. I was a host at P.F. Chang's uh, at the Beverly Center in Los Angeles. And um, I would see like celebrities coming there all the time. So it's right there in that area. And like with the Fox and Usher and Bieber, like, all these people would always come in and out of there. And then I was like, man, that's so crazy. And I remember I booked Glee during that time and a movie all simultaneously where I was playing Vivica Fox's son. And mind you, I had sat her multiple times, like as a host. I was like, oh, yeah, right this way. You know what I mean? And whispering like, and then literally booking this movie and and Glee simultaneously, like working with Vivica Fox directly as her son. And now we're like literally co-workers and um, also doing Glee and then ending up going on tour and not being able to work anymore because I was gone so much because I had to take so many days off on tour that they were like, honestly, Titus, they told me, like I was trying to stay. They sat me down and said, I think it's better if you take a uh, leave of absence. And it's like, if, you know, we can rehire you, but right now we can't keep you on the schedule legally because you're gone too long. So when they told me that, like, I was like, oh, maybe this is actually working. Like the fact that I'm 
my job is not even letting me, my job is not even letting me work because I'm not able to, because I'm doing what I love so much. Anyway, so that was like realization number one, that it's like, oh, that's really cool. This is happening. And then number two, I'll make it shorter. It was during the rookie time. And it's that kind of weird time when, like when you get recognized and you're like, okay, like I've kind of always sporadically got recognized here and there every blue moon, but it wasn't until the rookie that you noticed it happening on Monday, like you're at a grocery store and they're like, oh, hi, you know, Castle West. And then it happens on Tuesday and you're like, that's twice one week, that's weird. And then like, it'll happen on Thursday and then on Saturday. And then after that, it starts happening more and more frequent. You're like, y'all really be watching me on TV, like it baffles me. I'm like, y'all really sit down. Like for me, it's such a mind blow because it's just my job. Like I go do it and then months and months later, I forget that we even did it. And then people are like digesting it all, right? Anyway, so those are my two, I felt like I was making it moment. Yeah, because I've been in, in some of your TikTok lives and somebody will say something like, weren't you on such and such show and you really have to sit there and go, Yes, as a matter of fact, I was because it's just, I mean, it runs together. It really does. And that's what people don't understand too, because they take each show that they're a fan of to heart, right? So for them, it's like you're that character. And like and it's it's very inspirational, very encouraging. It's it's all those things. But uh, you know, for them, that character did something for them, mm-hmm. right? And for me, I'm like, I have no attachment to it. Like I'm just reciting lines and trying to do my best performance, right? And try to relate to the character as much as possible. But I guess that's a whole other topic. There are a few projects that resonate with me personally, but for the most part, as an actor, it's like, we're doing our job. Do you know what I mean? So it's just interesting to, to actually be out in everyday life and see how something that is regular to you impacted somebody so intensely. Yeah. So in our opening, I mentioned that in having actors and comedians and musicians, it always seems like there is some kind of chronic depression or anxiety that underlies their life that really actually makes them good at at what they do. Have you had experiences during your career with depression and or anxiety? Yeah, to the utmost, like to the darkest of days. Like it's one of the, my dad said this thing to one of his coworkers that was, he nailed it. And I was so proud of him, a proud dad, proud son moment. One of his co-workers came up to him and was like, oh, man, that's so cool. Your son's like living the life. Like, that's crazy. Like, it's so cool that he just like gets to do like the Hollywood thing. My dad was like, thank you. But if you only knew what game is happening here on, I was like, yes. Oh, I, I know what it was. Because the co-worker was like, oh, it's crazy. Like, he doesn't have to like do much. He just like gets to like do what he loves. And he's like, oh, that's beautiful. But what's happening in the entertainment industry that people don't realize is where we do exchange manual labor, like granted, you do put a lot of hours in, but we're not like doing construction and like dying in the heat, like lifting stuff and like doing, you know, physical wear and turn the body as much as the mental. And my dad painted this out for him. He was like, look, the amount of times my son has come to me crying, depressed, not knowing what he's going to do, not wanting to live his own life, like getting drug around negatively in the press or being celebrated in the press. Everybody loving him, then everybody hating then everybody hating him. Like he was like the mental warfare and being one of the only careers in the world where you can be the most qualified and still never work. So it's like you can be as trained as you want to be and still potentially never book a job. You can go to 50, 100, 200 auditions 
and get one. So it's like the constant, it's, it's the only place, it's one of the only uh, professions where uh, you have to constantly process being told no and like, you know, and like being praised and then dropped. And then like, it's just this really weird mental warfare. So it has created a lot of anxiety. It's created a lot of, created a lot of depression. And that couples with the depression that I already have from childhood experiences, right? So it's like you're mixing what people are battling daily, and then you put it on a platform for everybody to have a say, right? And then you're just battling, you're just mentally kind of going back and forth with your own state of mind, along with what people have told you your state of mind should be, or what they think of you. It's just a, there's a lot to unpack there when it comes to the, the entertainment industry. So you were recently in a contest where the proceeds went to the um, National Suicide Association or Protection, and you mentioned in that contest that that was something that was near and dear to your heart to to provide that. Could you kind of tell us why that is? Yeah. So me personally, I've been on the cusp of wanting to commit suicide twice in my life. Thankfully, I've never had like failed attempts, if you will. But as far as the depth of the consideration and the dark moments of solitude of, I guess, consider, considering how to execute it, but not taking action was enough for me still. Do you know what I'm saying? Like the fact that I, my mindset has gone to those dark places to feel unworthy or to feel like it's better off without me type energy or things are too hard. Like let's just like nip it in the butt, like ooh. You know what I mean? You don't know what to do, so let's just escape type energy. The fact that my mind has gone to those places, let me know that there's an issue there for me. But a common issue that I feel like people feel like is, um, well, uncommon. They feel alone in their in their mental warfare. But uh, I, I've always, for some reason, known that I'm not the only, even though I'm battling this in those waves, I still know it's like, okay, well, I haven't, for whatever reason, it's a huge blessing. I've not been embarrassed to talk about it. Like I've, I've told my parents, I've talked to like my sister has been sitting, she's come and stayed at the house with me before in one of these waves. Thankfully, I've been open about it in safe spaces. Yeah, I, that's why it's, it's always meant a lot to me. These foundations have meant a lot to me, especially the one for the competition, because I've been there myself. I know what it's like to feel alone. And I feel as if, my duty is to make people not feel alone. So it's like if I can share the fact that, oh, yeah, you see me on TV or you see me on TikTok, you see me bubbly bump, bumping around doing all this stuff and living my best life and my dreams, that it's like it still doesn't erase what I have to go through when the camera's off. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's still this like weird dopamine thing that happens when it's like everybody loves you. And then it's like, oh, like really, it doesn't feel like everybody loves you because here I am by myself with nobody loving me. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of things that are at play there, but that's why the foundation means a lot to me. So it, it, it's almost like Im imposter syndrome where you are out in the public and you are one person, but that's not who you really are on the inside. Yep. And being an actor, I'm sure it's easier to to put that put that on and make it believable. But, you know, people don't see you at, three in the morning, you know, when you feel all alone and, and nothing, nothing there to, to help you feel. And people can only do what they can do. So they, they're able to offer a loving word, right? Where it's like, oh, let's say if, if you're being negatively slung in the press for something, it's like everybody, it is very, I guess, warm and nurturing and 
appreciate it when people are like, we love you. Like we're here for you. Like, but at the same time, it's like, you still have that feeling of like, but it's not your career that you have to like salvage. It's not your name that you have to like get out of the gutter because somebody just hates you. Kind of like I just got shadow banned on TikTok yesterday. And I was like, what? Like I literally don't post any controversial, what's it called, content. I literally, all of my content is so basic that the fact, processing the fact that there's just somebody who shows that day or maybe somebody that has always hated me in my past or whatever. I was like, mm. I'm just going to mess up his life a little bit and just went through and reports a bunch of video and they just move on with their life. And then I have to pick up the pieces of like contesting TikTok. And it's like, I also make income through TikTok. I also like promote through TikTok. So it's like, you shut down all of that just because you feel like you don't like me. Like that's kind of the annoying thing that you sign up for is kind of being on public display and under public ridicule because of the career that I want. Yeah. And, and, you know, I would say within the last two or three months, you and I have had to have a friendship that is, has grown pretty close. And and hopefully, you know, that that when I say I care about you, or I love you, that that you do understand that. But it's not always about being able to pick up the phone. Sometimes it's about needing somebody in the room with you. Mm. And so when we get to that point then we can begin to get into some behavioral issues that are very, very dangerous for us. And, and you know, then can lead to suicidal ideologies or attempts. I have counseled with many, many people who have had suicidal ideologies or have even attempted. And, and I, I'm posing this as a question to you. When I asked them why they wanted to die, 90% of the time, their answer is, it's not that I wanted to die. It's that I wanted everything to stop. And there was no other way. Well, that just gave me chills because I've never heard it verbalized how my brain is thought. And it's like, I know, like, I'm not an idiot. Like, I know me taking my life, that would affect my mom, my dad, my family, the people around me. It would have a negative impact on so many people for the sake that it's like, I myself feel like suicide is a very selfish thing. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm aware of all that, which is what's even crazier. And like, even my, my friend uh, who committed suicide maybe like a year and a half ago, well, not even a year and a half, like almost a year and a half, she despised suicide. Like, we have countless times where she's like, how dare that mom do that? Like, leave her kid. Like, she fully grasped how whatever it is. And yeah, that, the best way I've ever heard it was how you just said it right now, where it's like, I didn't. And I feel this way for her. It's like, I don't think that she wanted to die. She just wanted whatever it was. Stuff. I don't want to die. Literally, I don't want to die. Like, I still have a lot of stuff that I want to do. A lot of people I want to love. Like, I technically don't want to die. But yeah, whatever pain, whatever heartache, whatever struggle, it's like, how else you just feel like, and this is not accurate, but you do feel like it will never stop, right? And then obviously the, the, the Christian side of me is like, Titus, you know, that's not true because there's been other stuff before, like the stuff that, that I first had uh, suicidal thoughts about that I thought were like the biggest deal ever. Fast forward nine years now, and I haven't thought about those things ever again, right? So it's like, I know for a fact that this too shall pass is so accurate in effect. But in that moment, you feel like there is no escape. And it's like, you just don't see that, you know, light in the tunnel. Quite literally. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I have I have three basic rules for life. Uh, the first one is don't ever make a decision on the day of the occurrence if you can keep from making a decision. Because right. sleeping on something changes your whole perception. I had a friend that said sleep is the dishwasher of the mind. Mm. And, it, and it really is. It, it puts a, a new, fresh look on everything. So don't ever make a decision on the, on the day of the occurrence if you can keep from it. Rule number two is if you have gone 24 hours and don't know what to do, do nothing. Mm. The third rule is that if you have gone 72 hours and still don't know what to do, then ask somebody that you trust mm. and then do do their advice. And I have found in my life that that has saved me a lot of heartache, a lot of pain, uh, a lot of grief. My brother-in-law committed suicide and, and I saw firsthand what that did to my family, to my nephew. And I was like, how could anybody, you know, do that? But in those moments, those people that are suffering really believe that them not being there will be better for their family. Right. But, you know, as you said, you know, nine years later, you don't even think about that moment that caused you to be in that, like, I can't that even, predicament. I genuinely can't even remember what exactly got me to that state of mind. Like, I have like a general idea, but I was like, why would that specific situation have gotten me to that point? Like, now that situation is like like if i were to think of like that same general situation that got me to that point like i'd be like okay and they can think what they want to think you know what i mean like i'm at that place yeah but you know new 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 hurdles as you mature there's like a, just a new thing that you're like oh this is new okay don't want to process this so i guess we're gonna have to learn people on another scale here like okay i didn't know people could go to that low you know what i mean yeah so Here's a question. Outside of God and religion, what was the driving force that kept you from committing suicide? So quite literally, it's for me, it's impossible to take God out of it because what I'm about to tell you, there's no other explanation. But the first time I was like pacing in my room, I'd like just moved out to LA. It was like dark in my room, very classic movie set up, you know, dark in my room pacing. There's like lighting coming in from the window. But I remember just walking back and forth and um, I get a phone call from my best friend from high school. I kid you not. I was like, there's no other way but God. And I know, you know, <laughs> but this is what kept me from doing it. Literally, I got a phone call and that I was not answering anybody else's call. Like I purposefully, I had missed calls, I had missed texts. Nobody knew what I was doing or what I was considering rather. Um, I just wasn't responding to anybody because I was just in my own head. And the one call I answered was from my buddy Miguel from high school. And I picked up the phone and he goes, Titus, I can't do this anymore, man. I can't do this anymore. I'm literally pulled on the train tracks waiting for the train to come. And I was like, wait, what? And he was like, yeah. So he, his was a situation between him and his his fiance, baby mama. There was a situation, all this stuff. We didn't have a kid. Yeah. There's a lot of drama going on there. And he was asked, and he's in the military. There's a lot of levels that his situation. But um, he was parked on the train track and his girlfriend, well, fiance technically, started calling me as well. So I was hopping back and forth on the line, like trying to like tell her where she was. I was like, I don't know where he is. He says, on the train track, da, da, da. so my focus completely shifts to making sure he's okay. So then I flip back over and I'm like, hey, Miguel. And I'm like talking him down. I'm like, you, I was like, I love you so much, bro. And I was like, 
your your family. And I was like reminding him of all the beautiful things. Mm-hmm. And it's just no other way but God, bro. Uh, like, and through that, and I told him the next day, I didn't tell him in the moment what was happening. Like, he just thought I was being strong, tightest, best friend, right? And um, the next day, I remember checking in on him. I was like, hey, bro, I want to let you know that, like, I was in the same exact mindset last night. And I was contemplating doing the same exact thing. And by me talking you off the ledge, it reminded myself of, like, oh, like, I was literally, literally preaching to myself. Like, there's no other way to explain it but God, because what best friends are contemplating the same? We were in different states. He was on the East Coast. I was on the West Coast, different hours, different time zones. Like, and by me talking to you, it's just, to this day, there's no other explanation. And I just know that that was God just being like, hey, 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 my man, my man, my man, my man. Talk to friends. <laughs> Like, come on now. So, yeah, that was why. And so, so what I heard from that was that all of a sudden you found purpose again. There it is. Yep. Yeah. And it's when we lose purpose that we get to that point of it's just better if I'm not here. And so it's, it's important for us to always remember our purpose. And that can be as simple as, I'm here to aggravate my wife or my family because that's my purpose in life or as big as that's a lot of uh, my, purpose. yeah, absolutely. It may be my purpose, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it may be as big as I'm going to build my platform as large as I can in acting or in music so that I have a platform to tell my story and give other people hope. Mm-hmm. I do think where we get shifted is that we begin to think that our platform should be larger than what it currently is. Um, but when it explodes the way that it su- does for others, you can really look back and begin to see where they lost their purpose. Mm. And so we have to be very careful in in what we do and how we do it and make sure that we don't ever lose purpose. So let's talk about your family for a moment before we, we wrap up here. You are, you're in Arizona, your mom and dad live there. And, uh, from what I understand, your mom has dementia. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So how does that component play into your everyday life? Well, I mean, it's why I've been staying in Arizona, which a lot of people don't know. Uh, you know, well, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. You heard it here Um, first. But yeah, a lot of people think it's like solely because I'm no longer on the rookie. Like, and I was like, no, like for one, been wanting out of LA for a long time. I stayed there to finish filming the show. Uh, but I was already contemplating for the last two years about moving back to Georgia. And me and my dad were already looking at houses and everything. So this kind of just helped give that little kick in the butt there. But I was supposed to go to Georgia. And then what actually happened, and the reason I've been in Arizona so long, over Christmas, this Last Christmas, we got uh, a call from the doctor that actually pertained to my dad's health because we knew he had cancer and they were just been monitoring it. So his cancer, uh, he had two cancers and one of them just like skyrocketed. And they're like, oh, so this is uh, this. We need to go into chemo stat. Like if you don't, he was like, well, if I don't do chemo, like 
Is there any homeopathic things I can do? He was like, no, if you don't do chemo, we're quoting you maybe like three months. Mm -hmm. And so we were in that position. So I was like, oh, okay, I'm going home and I'm staying there because he was already caretaker for my mom. That's how I tied back to my mom. So he was already helping, you know, because, you know, she's in a position where, you know, she, uh, she just can't really do the things that she used to do. So anyway, so when he had to go into chemo, and obviously they had to keep him there for seven chunks of seven days at a time. So I was like, let me just move out there for a year. I'll move down the street and I'll be able to be there with mom and take care of her because obviously he wouldn't be there. So that was the reasoning, but also how it affects my daily life is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm there. Not so much anymore because now, phrase report, fast forward many, 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 many months since December, the aggressive, chemo, uh, the aggressive cancer is... Um, uh, uh, what's it called? In remission. Thank you. In remission, which is a huge blessing. Uh, the other one's still there, but it's one that they can just monitor for the rest of his life. So we're doing all right there. And he's back in the house and back with my mom. So I, now I'm just riding out the rest of the year for my lease. But uh, yeah, I'm just taking care of my mom and uh, going over there, being with her, just making every day as special as we can. Because I don't know if anybody's dealt with dementia or Alzheimer's, like anybody in their family, but you know that like, almost every two, three minutes is it's a new day. New. It's a new day completely. So it's like the, the best advice that I got uh, was actually watching Seth Rogen and his wife. They had like this like Netflix special that they were talking about because his wife's mom had it and they were going through that. And uh, they were like, the, the only, the best thing that we learned to do was just make every day as special as, you can make it like it's an opportunity for every day to just be a dope day for her. You know what I mean? Mm. So it's like, no matter what happened two minutes ago, like it's almost ironically kind of, this is gonna, I don't want this to hit people wrong, but it, there's, there's some ironic beauty in it, in the sense of, wow, like we are capable of really letting things go. Like the fact that one second she could be upset. And if we just wait literally two minutes, like you can completely change the energy and we can move on with it. Like, it's just crazy. I think that we are capable of that without that struggle, without that disease that it's like, we hold on to things for so long that it's like, it just kind of, it helped me put things into perspective life-wise for me where I was like, Oh, like there could come, I don't know what's hereditary. Like, I mean, I know it's hereditary. I don't know what I'm, if, you know, cause she was, she had a bunch of siblings and she's the only one that got it. Right. But, um, there could be a point where my memory starts slipping and it just, it just woke me up in many ways where it's like, Oh, why am I holding on to all this stuff that like, it could come to a point where I don't remember it anyway, or like health things like my dad happens and like other things become important. I'm like, if my parents are battling for their lives quite literally daily at this point, and I'm worried about being shadow banned on TikTok, <laughs> like, do you get what I'm saying? Like it was doing those things for me where I was like, I need to go home like, and be with my family right now because I'm sitting here worrying about auditions, worrying about what people are saying about me on TV shows or not being on TV shows. It's like, do you? Like, mm -hmm. It's so benign at this point. Like, I still have desires and dreams, but the relevance as to what people have to say about it has like shot down a lot. Yeah. You know I mean? And it's freeing. It really is freeing. And all I need is the names of those people that talk bad about you. That's that's all I need is is their names. <laughs> I got a list. I got a list. I'm, oh, I know their names. I I'm not going. I'm not that one. Look, I'm not. 
I'm gonna keep my Cardi B tough beef inside, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna just play. I'm gonna type into my Beyonce and leave the Cardi B. <laughs> yeah. So, so as we end the podcast today, Titus, if there was one thing that you could tell everybody that may be suffering from depression or anxiety or suicidal tendencies, what would your message to our listeners be? Hmm. I'm trying to condense it because I want to, I want to find a word, but I'm going to, I'm going to settle for a phrase because I'm long-winded. There's two things. There's a, a very basic generic one, but it's very true. Know that you are not alone. You hear that all the time, but that's the one thing that I want to always impress upon people, but always hope that they remember too. It's like, yes, you're going through something. But the thing I tell myself, like even in the industry, it's like, I, even, I tell it to my dad. I'm like, wait, I can't be the first actor going through this. You know what I mean? Like, surely with all the crazy fame that's out there, they had to experience this times 10. So I know that I can process this because they, pro they probably are dealing with this on such a different level. That anyway, so know that you're not alone because that really does help you. It's like, okay, other people have gone through this and I can see those people that have processed this and move forward. And then the second thing is um, allow yourself forgiveness. Mm -hmm. These two both common things, but they're so important because I still struggle with this. It's like, hey, even if what everybody in the world or I'm, I don't know what, you know, why people, there's different reasons why people would be, you know, in, in a dark, dark uh, state of mind. But if everybody in the world are, are, are saying the worst things about you, if you're being bullied and all these things, if that's why you're in that position, and even if those things are true, even if you made the biggest mistake and they're dragging your name, everybody's talking about this thing that you did and the scandal, whatever, be it that high school to freaking famous person, forgive yourself. Like, realize that. Okay, you might be the talk of the town right now, but they'll move on because somebody else will do something even bigger and crazy and they'll move on to the next drama point. Forgive yourself and allow yourself to be human and know that you're just as human as them. They just found out about you. Mm -hmm. Like all these people behind the closed doors, if not doing the same thing, probably doing the worst. So remember, once again, that ties in, you're not alone, but also to forgive yourself for being human. Like you made a bad choice. You made 20 bad choices. You made 50. It's like, Forgive yourself, switch it up, keep it moving. Um, and then also forgive others. That's a big thing for me uh, where it's like, hey, forgive them for they know not what they do mm -hmm. type energy where it's like, it's hurting me and, that's, and that sucks and that's really unfortunate. But I find victory in forgiving them without them even knowing. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to call up every person that's hurt. Like I can't physically call whoever's freaking reporting my videos. I can't, I physically can't talk to them. I don't know who they are. But I can forgive them and be like, okay, I see that. You're probably having a tough day. You're probably envious of something. Or you probably are just bored. I don't know. I could have been a target of boredom. I forgive you. I just need to move forward and release that so I'm not carrying around a bunch of baggage that puts me back in a dark spot, thinking that everybody's out for me, right? Anyway, those are my things. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Well, I love that. I love that. So, Titus, tell us where our listeners can find you. Yeah, on TikTok, I'm so early. I am S-O-O, -O, then the word early. Um, my music, I go by early. Some people might know me as Butterfly Lee, but I've changed my music name to just early. And I haven't released that new music yet, so that's to come. Uh, but we've been working on that. We're in the middle of that, so that's beautiful. And then on TikTok, uh, Instagram, it's at Titus Macon. 
or you can also just type in the word early and my account will pop up. Yeah. And that's about all. All right. We'll make sure to list all that in the description of this podcast. Of course, I'm Doc Brian. You can find me at thedocbrian.com, or you can always call our guest line. You can text us or leave us a message at 910-777-7239. That's 910-777-7239. If you're listening today and you or someone you love may be suffering from depression or suicidal tendencies, we encourage you to call the National Suicide Prevention Hope Line at dial 988. That's dial 988, or you can text 988 for virtual suicidal prevention support. Thank you for being here with us today, Titus. Once again, it was a pleasure to have you on the show, and um, uh, we we hope the best for you, and we know that uh, very great things are about to happen for you. So we thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. That was very kind. Thank you. And we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye.